Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. Currently, our stories may be warped by a world pandemic, but I want to focus on what we can control. So this is Style at Home, a bonus mini-series following season one of Style Stories. I sit at home with older new peers and discover how their life and style are adapting to isolation. Together we address their style at home. Today I'm chatting with Amanda Jirjik, glassblowing artist and co-founder of Melbourne-based studio Hothouse. Amanda's boldly known in the design community for her artistic use of colour. She makes the kind of decorative pieces you just want to touch and that are guaranteed to make you smile. She's able to transform the mundane into magic and bring this colourful spirit to all areas of her life, including her wardrobe. Despite Amanda's larger-than-life style, she's able to see through the looking glass of coronavirus and has taken this opportunity to exhale. And it's the little things that are defining her style at home. And if you're looking for more than sound and want some sight of the interview, head over to madelinepark.co to view a video version of the podcast. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Monday. Oh, as if Monday's any different from I know. <laughs> I know. I think Monday's better now, actually. I'm like, yes. My kid gets to go to daycare. I get to go to the studio. It's pretty good. Yeah. So you're at home today, though? I'm at home today, and then I'll head into yeah. the studio after this. Oh, thanks for joining me today. Okay. As, uh, I, I when I reached out to you, I think I mentioned that um, I've been a big fan of your work for a while now, and I got onto you. Um, I work, was working with Bryony Fitzgerald. Do you know? Oh, Bryony? yeah, yep. Yeah, and uh, she told me to to have a look at your stuff. Yeah, cool. Uh, but there's, it's like you're spoiled for choice. It's like when I look at your products, it's like going to a lolly store. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I really just want to come into the studio oh, and yeah. play. You I know, know. It's hard to do it virtually. Absolutely, yeah. We can't wait till we can open up properly. Like our showroom's pretty cute and got lots of good products. So, yeah, it's looking yeah. good. So I, I particularly love your glass bonsai. Now, oh, thank you. They're, they're called Yumi Miru. Is that yeah. right? Yep, yeah, that's right. It um, it roughly translates like daydream, Japanese daydream, and so yeah. that was my. I was kind of obsessed with Japan, and I'd been quite a few times, and that those works are a response to that, and they just became pretty popular I guess and so now they're my I've been making them for nearly 10 years and they're my um best-selling product line yeah and so what the, the like you said they were <clears throat> the, it means daydream yeah yep. yeah so talk me through that I just uh I just went through a period where I probably about yeah well still now like I think of Japan nearly every day I've been about I think I've been four times now. So um, I just love everything about it. And I started off making really different works that I thought. So I went to Japan for a residency 
And then I had one idea, but coming home, I think I was really inspired by the gardens, like all the back street little alleyways of the burbs. And they had these beautifully manicured shapes and trees. And um, yeah, so that was my response to those. Yeah. And so um, obviously it's inspired your artwork. Does it come out anywhere else in your life? Uh, we eat a lot yeah. of Japanese food. Yeah. Uh, I just like the aesthetic. That's my favourite thing. I really like that. I don't know. It's just the most incredible place because it is both dualities. Like there's old and new pair. There's like crazy in your face assault of technology and um, advancements like that. But then you can turn a corner and then there's a tiny shrine. Like, I just feel like it. They they've nailed it. They've got everything. They don't, you know. Yeah. It's neither super modern or super old. Everything pairs beautifully. So, I think that's my favourite thing. About yeah. It. So what you're saying about the contrast is, um, you kind of have this part of uh, that's so like clean and everything's you know like so mm. precise. Mm. Um, but then you know, the street style is so wayward, like it's so out there yeah. and um, so creative, you know. Uh, yeah, creative. So do you, do you find any of that comes into your, like any of that Japanese influence comes into the way you dress? <coughs> um, I, I don't know, actually. I, I go between because I work and I love working so much, like it's either got to be durable for me. So usually yeah. I have a work uniform is either work shirts or it's overalls or coveralls and but then that's pretty drab so either I wear lots of straps I like big earrings I or a headscarf or stuff like that so you not feel like you're bogged down you can I don't know even though it is a job you have to dress for safety I guess yeah yeah um, yeah it doesn't have to be just all into muted tones of black or something so yeah um so tell me how did you get into glass blowing i started um i grew up in adelaide and they have the jam factory contemporary craft and design so i always knew that as a kid and got to watch it and thought it was pretty cool like they were the coolest things i'd ever seen and then when i was studying visual arts i didn't really know exactly what i wanted to do but just went straight from school and that was one of the electives at Underdale and that was um, still a campus and the teacher that I had there was just really amazing, Gabriella Bisotto, and um, she was really supportive and <clears throat> I think it was really up to her really that I continued because then, you know, how uni gets, sometimes timetables you can't continue. So I didn't actually blow glass again from that first year of uni until I moved then to Melbourne and um, just again a bit lost and thought I'd take a punt and when Monash was still running and I applied to study full-time in fine arts and majoring glass and then everything just kind of snowballed from there for me. Yeah were there a lot of girls choosing mm. that as an elective? Yes there was and there is still so many Hmm. for a while there when I was coming up in the jam and I did my associateship there 
there's definitely more female glass blowers than males for a while. Really? Yeah, it changes. But uh, like even when I think about practicing artists now, or it's probably evened out again. But yeah, for a while there, definitely more chicks blowing glass for sure. Yeah. And how does it go in the industry? Like in terms of <clears throat> being a glass blowing artist, like how does that work for you? In terms of male and female identity? Yeah, it, gender identity and... Um, um, it's, it's very interesting because I've travelled also to the States a lot for glass blowing and uh, for sure in the States there's like a dude mentality, like I've taken classes and stuff and there's a lot of dudes just seeing how big they can make stuff and slinging stuff and then they're... You know, I've worked with lecturers and stuff there and I've had guys come and go, oh, do you want me to take that for you? I was like, no, mate, I've got it. It's okay. <laughs> and then they'll be real. They just don't even, that's a small percentage, but it is a vocal part. I always feel it every time you take a class, there's always that dude mentality. And then they don't even think that you might be able to actually do what they're doing or do it better. So, yeah, well, you but do I it very well. It happens here in Australia. Because there yeah. are so many female glass blowers already, right? Is it? Do you think that it's um like glass as an art form has become <clears throat> something that's come back in fashion that, that was kind of had a, a moment of of not being so popular? Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I think in the eighties, glass blowing was all about production for homewares, um, like really glasses, drinking glasses and vases, dinnerware. And it was just like crazy, make, 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 make. And then I guess I saw it shift. I guess we had the recession and that changed it a little bit about what people made. And now um, I see it's lighting. Like it's it's gone into lights and hand-blowed lighting is a thing now, which is great because that's a great income. And now I see it shifting a bit more back into homewares. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens after things kind of go back to normal again and I think people will go back to homewares because the price point is lower like you know you see some hand-blown lighting and it's like four to eight hundred dollars I don't know if many people will be as willing to spend that yeah easily whereas people might go hundred dollar vase a paperweight oh I can afford those things and I think we might I think that's how our studio is gonna survive and build itself up until spending happens a bit more freely yeah yeah it was funny because I was speaking with Neil Whitaker the other day and um and we were saying that you know people are going to look for those small things to kind of give them a spark of joy in their home and, and that those little things can really make a big difference to the way that their homes are styled. Yeah, I think so. And I look forward to making those things. I love making small vases and, um, you know, I worked really hard to launch and I just started like thinking about Christmas and I made some Christmas baubles, which yes, I know I saw them. I love them. A bit of a nap name, like, Oh God, baubles. But I made some that were just in my studio kind of colors, those peach tones. And I just made them last year just really to gift to my son's daycare carers. 
Yeah. And yeah, I had a response that I did not think possible. So I then created a mailing list and I've done packaging for them. And I think once we're up and running, I've got my first orders ready to go. So Excellent. I feel good about <laughs> making stuff like that. I think, and yeah, it'll be really nice for people to get those little, little things in the mail to brighten up their home and, and their, um, you know, they're lasting. They're not throwaway pieces i think glass is a really considered buy for people yeah and they hold on to it they collect it yeah yeah well i i um i've loved colored glass my you know since i was a teenager mm -hmm. and i think it's because i come from a greek household where there's a, oh, lot, cool. of, there's a lot of colored glass in yes. there. you know like i i uh I have held on to those pieces and oh, so you know, nice. they're scattered around my house and I like, cool. it's, it's just a love, you know, it's, it's why I love your work, you know? Um, so tell me about your background. Like what, what you obviously ne weren't necessarily doing glass as a kid, but, but you're obviously then creative if that's, you know, how you, what you did after school, what mm. was your sense of create creativity like as a kid and, how did it come to be? I think I was always drawing or painting or, yeah, always drawing as a kid. And I can remember my auntie giving me for one of my birthdays. I would have been pretty young, like probably too young. You shouldn't give that to a kid. But like getting the 72 set of Derwent's coloured pencils. And I was like, whoa. And I totally looked after them. Like they all had to go in their little thing and because they they were number ordered too weren't they yeah, all the colors were beautiful and i just yeah i just have an i guess thinking about that an appreciation for the color from a young age and all kids like bright colored things i think but to continue it on and and i think it really comes down again to having good teachers i had great art teachers all throughout primary school and high school that um, push me to keep going, I think, and take it from the next level to not just um, a hobby to chase it as a career, I think. Yeah. And was it, were you always interested in things where you're working with your hands or? Yeah, that's it... an interesting one. Like I, yeah, that took a while because I guess I did more 2D stuff. Like I, at uni, I, one of my electives and stuff was printmaking and I loved that and I did painting as a major. But, yeah, it didn't really click till um, when I studied glass that I like working with my hands so much. But now thinking back, it's easy because I think about stuff like crafting stuff like with my nan and I like knitting and, yeah, anything where your hands are moving is, is good for me. Yeah. yeah. and. Um, when I've been looking at your, uh, you know, I guess looking at your style over Instagram, um, I love that you have a bit of a Rosie Riveter, Rosie the Riveter kind of look. <laughs> yeah, it just, I don't know, it kind of subconsciously, I don't know. I have quite a couple of my friends in glass blowing the same. I think it's the headscarf that gives it away, but. You obviously your love of color comes out in your work and your wardrobe. What other things inspire your work? What other things? Um, <clears throat> I think most of my work goes back to 
the natural world, so plant life in some form, whether it's pattern, colour or form, the, most of my work revolves some way around plant life. The last big exhibition I had was at the Museum of Economic Botany in Adelaide, and that was in their incredible um, natural history kind of museum. We made works to respond to that. So I made things like mushrooms and lots of hot sculpted leaves and plant life. And then, um, yeah, so that was more literal. But then in the colour sense, like I guess the bonsais started off in the colour patterns that I liked were muted greens and, um, you know, ambers and darker browns. And then it was only, and then people started asking for different brighter colours so I started making them in brights but I still like making those in the muted tones more they're my favourite yeah sorry that's my dog he's just (laughs) (laughs) what's your dog's name uh Elwood (laughs) he's a um a miniature dash hound he's he's got a big personality favourite Yeah, I'm guessing you like things with big personality, hey? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the best. (laughs) Uh, So, Chubby, you've been, what's isolation look like for you guys? Um, I was thinking about that this morning as I was reading um, an interview online. And I guess um my studio is pretty it's just myself and laurel so we still go in um my days are monday wednesday Cass is in daycare and then thursday friday i have him with me like we're not blowing glass at the moment and i really miss that i miss not making like now we should be ramping up like the summer is notoriously quiet um but now we should be getting into orders and where that's just not happening like we don't even know when that will happen we're building our own furnace and as soon as we can turn on I think we'll start it slowly and build it up um so yeah I miss that bit I miss um glass blowing is really community minded because you're always working with at least one other assistant so I really miss that but we've what's started- the community like in Melbourne uh, it's not as, it's more sparse than Adelaide. Like Adelaide has the hub. Adelaide has the jam factory. So everyone hires there. Whereas Melbourne has smaller private studios that, you know, different little cliques might hire out. Um, so we're hoping to bring the community in and have a space that, you know, everyone comes to us, which I'm really looking forward to. I think that'd be really cool. Mm. Um but yeah, now we just try and we're just trying to focus on that build, keep our relationships that we have with um, our clients, um, and just all we can do is hope for the best. Really, like it's gonna come out the other side. It's a bit scary, but try and try and keep positive. I think and keep working, as in working on new designs for when we're ready. Yeah, and are you are you working on designing some of those smaller pieces that yeah, people could integrate? Yeah. Mm, I just started putting down on paper the other day. I've had a few ideas about 
uh, these smaller vases that I want to make because I think everyone going on these walks and you collect your little things and everyone's back in the garden and, you know, not everyone wants to pick all your flowers at once that you've spent the last six months growing. So little small posy vases. I'm really um, inspired by some ceramic maybe designs from like the 70s. They've got more of a bottle shape. So I'm thinking about those kind of things and I'm kind of inspired by some pastel colours in like a terrazzo kind of vibe. So yeah, I've got, I'm ready to go once we turn on. I'll be ready. So do you think that's how like this time will influence your collection or do you, do you think there are other things that play like the return to nature, the value mm -hmm. of that in people's lives given that, you know, we're only allowed to go outside once a day for an hour. Like, yeah, it's precious. I, I, yeah. I, I think all those things, I, I mean, I know they're coming back. Like you look at how many people are learning to make bread again and um, do things like that and just be more, I hate this word, be more mindful. <laughs> but it's so <laughs> true. It's like not ravage through your garden and try and grow something you can eat. And yeah, just thinking thinking small a bit i think is is good I yeah think it got pretty big and i think lots of things got away from us and yeah it uh yeah i think everyone's always pushing for bigger and better but i think kind of containing what you've got and really making it the best you can make it is i think that's how we'll survive yeah and are you doing that at home <laughs> as well as you know this this is one of the things we've been talking about in this the later end of this series is you know like nurturing what we've got and oh, kind of sure. getting rid of the things that we don't need mm. do you feel like you've been going through a bit of that process at home oh totally like we uh we look at what we've got our house is quite small but i mean we've already rearranged it like we yeah. totally switched the lounge room around and it's other sides and it's opened up more space and i think it looks great and we're you know all those things we can change and making our home as nice as possible, like repainting. Um, I'm super keen. I've got a coloured wall in the kitchen. I want to change that. Um, yeah. Seeing more art on in our bedroom. We've got a pretty sweet peach-toned art wall going on. <laughs> um, yeah, more plant life inside. All those things. Just trying to make your home life as nice as possible, really. Yeah, yeah. And is there, is there something that you're treasuring from a wardrobe perspective that, about you, that represents your personal style? I actually think, well, I think if it's things that I wear every day, it's my stripes. I have a pretty sweet stripe collection. That's my kind of work uniform is my long sleeve striped T-shirts. Um, it's so hard because... As I was talking to someone the other day, he's like, oh, no one, you don't dress up anymore or buy nice clothing because you're at home. And it's, yeah. it's kind of true. So I think the wardrobe is the next one to have the big cull yeah. go through. But for me, I think my most treasured is either those shirts or it's jewellery at the moment. I think my earrings get more of a workout than clothes, really. Yeah. Why do, why do you like wearing earrings? I think that's a way... I've always liked big earrings. I have a lot of friends who are makers, jewelers, so I love wearing their earrings. What and are the ones you're wearing now? Are they these ones are nothing, nothing 
extreme. Like these were actually gifted to me from my sister. So oh, yeah. I like wearing them. But I mean, I have some really beautiful pairs that I've, that friends that I've made when I'm overseas on a, like taking a class I've made. Tara Reed, those are amazing. She makes earrings out of skate decks. Erin um, Keys, my friend in Sydney, she makes really beautiful pieces too. So, yeah, I like the story that jewellery can tell. And it doesn't have to be super expensive, but it's like the memories you associate with a piece, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is important. And is there a bit of, um, you talked about the, the, sorry, that they were made out of skate? Yeah, what? skate decks, yeah. Skate decks. Uh, is there a bit of rebellion in your style? Is there... I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, I just like more aesthetics. Like, yeah, earrings, the bigger the better. Bright colours are good. I think if, yeah, if I haven't got, I don't know, a super banging wardrobe, I think I've always got good jewellery that can I, <laughs> yeah. or a scarf that can make the boring seem interesting. Um, and you said, you, you know, obviously none of us are going out. And yet you wear your overalls for uh, like, you know, practicality in terms of your mm. work. What, what do you wear where you, when you're going out? When I go out? Yeah. Um, what have I got? I do like brands. Like um, this was my latest splurge was the Obus. So I like Melbourne brands. Um, I've got some really beautiful pattern coats that I just bought online. And I like those kind of obus pieces or Gorman, but then I like the stuff that we found in the op shops as well. That's always, yeah. but that is frustrating if you can't get that in your size. So that's even more devastating. There's <laughs> <laughs> an art to op shopping. Oh my God. Yeah, there really is. <laughs> um, and so it, when you, when lockdown is, is over and the crazy parties are starting to happen oh. what, what would you want to be wearing uh, what would i want to be wearing or what what do you have as it, it what would be your favorite coming out outfit oh my god that's a good question i want it to be right um <laughs> far out i'm trying to think what's hanging in my oh my beautiful jumpsuits like my um, I've got this great one that I wore for exhibition opening, a Gorman one, black and white, pantsuit. I'd be wearing that with some really big heels and giant earrings. That's what I Yeah. Wear. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you've collaborated with Gorman too, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. We did some homewares quite a while ago. Um, they were amazing to work with. Lisa is killer. Um, kind of, and she's really supportive of artists, like to give all those, they do lots of collaborations. So I think, um, yeah, that was super fun. I loved it. It seems like a very natural alignment though, given that like, you know, they're obviously known for <laughs> colour and mm -hmm. print and kind of being inspired yeah, by nature. Yeah. Yep. I'd love to do it again actually, because I think they have a really great reach and they have such good um, customers that appreciate handmade as well. Yeah. And do you think that's something you'd do again in the future with a different like fashion brand? Yeah, I love doing collaborations. It's just kind of interesting to find what fits like 
because they are so different, right? So we're talking mm-hmm. about clothing, so we're talking about homewares. But I, there's always room to move, like whether it's focusing on a print from a pattern or a certain colour. Um, yeah, I like having something to be inspired from and teasing out those little details about how we can make them talk together. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I find that your work is quite, um, I mean, it's relevant to fashion. The colours that you're using at the moment are very much, you know, what, what's in the fashion world as well. Do you, is, there, is there an alignment there that, is that just what you love and it happens to be that it's translating into the fashion world at the same time? Or I think so. Like maybe it's subliminal, but I don't, I'm not too too versed in fashion and what's happening in current um i'm pretty interested when i see color like dulux color things come out and um if some of them align like a color that i've been using i always think that's pretty interesting i'm like i was ahead of my time (laughs) um but then again if you see other ones colors come out you're like oh i don't know about that one it's interesting to think about how they could be used I've read, I read ages ago um, that in terms of colour trends, you kind of should be looking at interiors before mm. you look at fashion because mm-hmm. the that's... interiors inform fashion. Have you heard that before? Yeah, yeah, it trickles down kind of yeah. effect. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I'll be um, keeping an eye on what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care of yourself. Thank you so yeah, much you for meeting up with me. Oh, thank right. you. Before speaking with Amanda, I imagined her to be spirited and tough, much like her visual alter ego, Rosie the Riveter. Like Rosie, the wartime pinup girl for female empowerment, Amanda does have a can-do attitude. But it's not all boiler suits and bandanas. There's a down-to-earth ease and a lightness to Amanda that comes with her love of colour and appreciation of the natural world. Whether it be with a set of 72 Derwent pencils, some daydreamy decorations, or just a great pair of earrings, Amanda is determined to colour the world around her with the little things that naturally spark joy. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please go ahead to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating or a review on why my podcast is your style.